welcome to oh wow the podcast a weekly recap of every episode of skins uk starting from the very beginning i'm your host augustine and today we are exploring season one episode four chris i'm feeling really excited today i always loved this episode and didn't expect to feel so sad for Chris in this rewatch. I always just thought it was like a fun party episode, but seeing his living conditions brought up a lot of emotions for me and also a lot of personal anecdotes. Last week we were talking about Jal and she's such a nice put together girl, so I didn't have that much to say because I really can't relate to having your shit together at 16, 17 years old and I have a lot more feedback about Chris's lifestyle. So let's get into it. And since I'm feeling so good today, I have a couple messages for all of you listeners. And that is that you are the main character. You can take up space and make bold moves and you deserve the world. I hope you can carry those thoughts into your weekend and next week. So starting out the episode right away, musty. Chris's room, disgusting, made me think of when I had to live with a guy for a while and he never washed his sheets to the point that I was getting eye infections on a weekly basis and had to go to the doctor very regularly to treat my eye infections from these disgusting bed sheets. And in the year of our Lord and Savior 2021, we certainly don't have time for that and it's a pandemic. There's no room for disgusting sheets, but I hope you're all doing better than that physically and mentally at this point. Soldiering on, we wake up with Chris and his goldfish and his boner. One of his many personality traits is having a constant erection, so we'll explore that deeper throughout the episode. He sprinkles some weed and a pill into the fish tank. Again, I'm ashamed that Chris is the most relatable character to me at this point in the series. I had a jar that I would pour my old bong water into when I lived in college dorms, and I had a betta fish And I was like, oh, I'll just pour some water into the fish tank one day because it needed some topping off. Didn't realize I was pouring the old bong water into the fish tank. The fish actually was totally fine and just ate more food than usual for about a week, but I was embarrassed watching this back and realizing that I have actually done something similar unironically. Chris is just a hot mess. He walks into the bathroom and... Because of his boner, he can't pee, so he has to piss all over himself in the shower. Fortunately, I can't relate to that aspect, and if you as a listener have been there, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Walking into the kitchen, he sees an envelope of money on the kitchen counter from his mom, and basically there's a note that she's going to be gone for a few days. It's just stacked with cash, so... Of course, what do you do when your family is gone and leaves you a bunch of money? You throw a house party. So he invites all of the boys over, they set it up, and then we cut to the party scene. Anwar and Maxi are laughing about Chris taking Viagras, which I'm guessing it's just a joke 
that he takes so much Viagra, but I'm also sort of curious if that's a thing that I just missed the memo on people taking Viagra for fun. I've only known one person who took one of those gas station boner pills and they said it just made them go numb. So I don't know anyone who recreationally takes Viagra, but maybe it's a thing. Sid is talking to this girl and trying to hook up in his weird Sid way, even though she's like clearly extremely drunk and eventually throws up all over him. I don't know what is wrong with me that I found this scene kind of endearing in a weird way, just because Sid is so awkward and oblivious. I'm truly demented for finding it cute. I don't know. We see Chris showing a literal child how to roll a joint, and this made me think of when I went to one party and everyone was just drinking, playing beer pong, doing pills, the usual, but there was like a two-year-old there, and they were walking around needing their diaper changed, so me and my stupor decided to change this random child's diaper at the party, and that is permanently burned into my memory. Then Anwar tells Chris that Angie is at the party, which is really weird. Why is she there? I don't understand why she would even bother showing up there. I don't, I have no words. Angie, what the fuck are you doing? Jal and Cassie are in the corner of the party talking and they look so cute. I love their outfits. I have to give Cassie the Bristol's Best Award once again. You guys might get sick of me elevating her fashion over everyone else, but she looks so cute with the little lemur wrapped around her neck and her little party outfit. I just love it. Getting back to Angie being at the party, Chris is excited and also a little mind blown, it seems. So he turns the music to a slow dance song and they dance together. And this is when it hit me, the dynamic of Chris just having mom issues and Angie sort of filling that void for him. I don't know why it took me until this rewatch to figure that out, but it's making a little more sense, that dynamic. Obviously it's inappropriate, but I can kind of understand where it's coming from better. While they're dancing, Chris's boner is just raging, so Angie is disturbed and leaves, which is good. We flash to Chris's bedroom where Tony and Michelle are getting ready to hook up, and Tony says that one of her boobs is bigger than the other, and we start seeing the cracking foundation of Tony and Michelle's relationship Even though he has been flirting with Abigail in other episodes, we haven't seen too many interpersonal issues between Tony and Michelle, and the scene is really insightful just to show how he takes her for granted and treats her really badly. He basically just makes fun of her and doesn't appreciate her. Sid comes in the room, and we really see how they're setting up this triangle between Michelle, Sid, and Tony. Sid is covering his eyes because he doesn't want to look at Michelle naked, and it really hurts Michelle that Tony just is so blasé about her and doesn't find her beautiful or really spectacular in any way, and Sid is so 
mesmerized by her and really treats her like she's special. So we can just see the cracks in the foundation happening. Getting into the early morning slash dawn hours of the party, which are always the most painful hours when you're trapped at a gross house party overnight. Jal goes into the kitchen to make sure Chris is okay, and they have a very sweet scene together. They're sitting and drinking milk, and he's asking her if she won the music competition from the last episode, and we find out she didn't. And they're just reassuring each other. It's very cute and sweet, which is a big contrast to what Sid is doing in the living room, holding Cassie on a chair and talking her ear off about Michelle and if she thinks that Michelle's mad at him and oh my god it's the worst I just wrote Sid stop oh my god in my notes and Cassie is so cute and sweet and just looks so pained by Sid just going on and on and on about Michelle and if you have been in that situation as I have it's just awful. (laughs) Chris goes into his mom's room to pay the pizza guy he's looking for money and sees that all of her stuff is gone so we realize that she is probably not just gone for a few days she kind of peaced out and we don't know what to do and Chris just kind of shuts down, locks himself in the wardrobe which topples over and this is when it gets sad and the whole thing starts to escalate a lot from fun party times to just really dark and sad. They're spending the morning hungover on the couch with the pizza guy sitting there which is funny but I don't drink anymore and I do miss those hours around like noon to 2 p.m. of the hangover where you're just kind of chilling on the couch eating pizza and like smoking a little bit. Those are always sort of comfortable liminal spaces, I think. Chris managed to blow all of the money in the envelope on pizza, beer, drugs, music equipment, etc. So in an effort to make some money back, they tried to return the sound equipment. We just have some hijinks scenes, basically, of Chris and Sid trying to make money, pawning shit, and it just not going well. And Sid actually looks very competent compared to Chris, which is pretty tragic. I really don't envy them going to a pawn shop. It is evoking stressful memories. Eventually they end up at the junkyard and the guy says he'll buy their wheelbarrow off of them and instead of taking any money, Chris just accepts pills in exchange for the stuff. So he takes the pills, he's like tripping out looking at his fish, and then when he comes out of his high, we see how far things have gone. The house is beyond destroyed, in fact the toilet has been ripped out of the bathroom. And Chris goes to get in the shower, and there's just a homeless guy in the tub. They get in a tussle. He's trying to kick the homeless guy out of the house. Honestly, I don't even blame the homeless guy that much, because if I looked at that house, I probably would have thought it was an abandoned place that I could stay, so I can't even be that mad. But the guy manages to kick Chris out of the house and lock the door, and Chris is just stuck naked out in the street, and it's really a rock-bottom moment for him. Not knowing where else to go, Chris walks to the school and goes to talk to Angie. 
I have to note that his lips are so crusty. I understand that he's going through a lot. He's naked, walking in the cold through the streets, but I just want to give him some CeraVe healing ointment for those lips. It's rough. They look painful. Angie is asking him if he has any other family that he can go talk to and get help from, and we find out that Chris has a dad. So Jal takes on the responsibility of going to help him. I really love watching the bond between Jal and Chris blossoming in this episode. It's really sweet. Chris's family is a whole bundle of mess. We get to his dad's house. Chris is dressed nicely. He's cleaned up. His lips are still very crusty, but he's looking a lot more polished and This is because his family is very uptight and intense. His dad's name is Graham, and we don't actually meet his dad. We meet his stepmom, whose name I didn't catch. The stepmom asks if Chris's mom has had another turn, which seems to imply some sort of mental break or nervous breakdown. We just see how Chris has been so distanced from his dad's side of the family, and I understand why he wouldn't feel comfortable turning to them, because they clearly don't view him as part of the family. Chris and Jal are just awkwardly sitting on the couch, and his stepmom tries to find pictures of him in a picture book. She finds one picture that she thinks is of Chris, but... It turns out that it's actually of his brother, Peter, which is a really integral part of Chris's story. We also see that his dad has had a baby with his stepmom. They have a newborn who's just crying, and it's really overstimulating. I have so many sensory issues with the sounds of babies crying, so it's also bothering me as much as it's bothering Chris. It just seems to be ringing so loudly through the screen. His stepmom is trying to get him to hold the baby. Sammy is the baby's name, and the walls are just closing in. You feel claustrophobic with Chris right there alongside him, And he panics and drops the baby on the floor with a loud thud, which is pretty funny. And he just runs out. He starts sprinting down the street and Jal is chasing after him. I really don't blame Chris for bolting because we find out what happens next, but it's a lot. He runs to the cemetery and sits down beside a grave. Jal is confused because she doesn't know what's going on, but she sits next to him and Chris starts telling this story. He says it's the best day of his life and it was when he peed his pants as a kid in school and people were laughing and then his brother Peter stood up for him and protected him and This is just so sad. I really get emotional piecing together what happened with his family and why they're as broken as they are. So his brother died and clearly that just broke the family into pieces. It's sort of implied that this is why his mother is having nervous breakdowns, probably led to the divorce and his dad remarrying and them having a new baby. And of course, 
especially as a 16, 17 year old, Chris has no idea how to handle all of this trauma. And he's just incredibly destroyed by this and has no idea how to handle it other than just taking pills and drinking and partying all the time to try to push those feelings away, which is what most teenagers would do, I think. How do you handle such a huge traumatic loss at such a young age and not be incredibly damaged by it? This made me think a lot about the duality of teenage partying. The older generations tend to write off teen partying as just, oh, they're just having fun, being stupid, being immature. But there is a dark side to it, which is why do these teenagers feel the need to drown out and numb all of their pain? I talked to a lot of other people my age who had fairly normal upbringings and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I smoked some weed in high school, college, but the level that the people on skins take partying to is more closely aligned with what I experienced growing up. And we see one side of Chris where he's the fun party guy. Everybody likes him. No one really knows his story. They just see him as sort of the funny, goofy guy. But on the inside, he is dealing with so much trauma and pain. It really breaks my heart that teenagers are dismissed and a lot of times their issues are not taken seriously. I know for myself, I wish that I had had a therapist at that age instead of just self-medicating with whatever drugs and alcohol and sex I could get my hands on. It would have been a lot more helpful to have a therapist to talk to and actually work through my issues. And I just wish that these characters could get the help that they needed. It is so self-reflective for me that I get really sucked into what they're going through, especially Chris. I feel so bad for him. Sort of out of left field, there's a scene where Cassie bumps into Sid in the hallway and asks him on a date, and he just nervously stutters and stumbles and accepts offhandedly, which is not a good idea, but he's probably not thinking much of it because he's said and he's just not thinking that deep. So that's planting some seeds for the future. Then we flash back to the school and Angie is hooking Chris up with a room to sleep in, which is probably the best option for him at this point, since obviously his father's side of the family is no help. His mother's house is trashed and she's gone and he has no money, he has nothing. So staying at the school is probably the best he's gonna get. He's just so sad and she's lecturing him a little bit that he can't destroy the room and he's just so broken behind his eyes. You can see he really does put on the funny goofy guy persona around his friends, but at the end of the day, he's a very sad kid and they're all just really hurt kids who need help. We do kind of get into the fuck it mindset that he has though because he settles into the room that he's staying in at the school and lo and behold, pops a Viagra, 
chases it down with some water in a glass that has one of his fish in it, tacks the Viagra pack up to the wall, and is looking pretty cozy. That's where the episode ends, and I compare Skins to other teen dramas like Degrassi or Glee, and in both of those shows, the guidance counselor for the kids is a pretty prominent character in the cast, but Skins doesn't have a guidance counselor. There's no sort of formal therapist or guide for the kids, and Chris is just turning to Angie for help. That's the closest he's going to get to any sort of guidance counselor. And it really just shows the effect that having no mental health resources has on young people, especially. I think it's easy to look back, if you can relate to any of these episodes so far, which you probably can because you're listening to this podcast, maybe you've had similar experiences when you were younger. And it's easy to look back at the decisions you made at the time and really beat yourself up for it and think, why did I do that? That was so stupid. There are consequences years later to decisions that you make. But watching this show gives me some sympathy for my younger self, and I hope you can give yourself the same grace if you're ever feeling that way because you watch the show and you think they're just kids that needed help and you really can't blame yourself for making decisions in the moment when you have no other help to just get you through to the next day to feel peace and happiness for one moment when you're just suffering. And I hope that we can all be more compassionate towards ourselves and also towards the current generation of young adults who are struggling. It's just really is insightful for me and I hope it is for you as well. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Next week we're getting into episode five. I haven't looked up which one that is. It might be Sid, I'm not sure. Um, But I really appreciate you all for being here with me today, listening, and I hope you had a little bit of a laugh and a little bit of a hmm moment. So have a great weekend, and I'll see you here next Friday for the next episode. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at ohwowthepodcast, and check the Reddit for posts, and I will see you next week. Bye!